everyone. Welcome to Frontier Faith, a podcast where it's okay not to know, not to know what you believe, why you believe it, where you stand in the religious uh, scheme of things, the religious landscape, whether that's within Christian denominations or otherwise, that's all okay. What we like to do here is present a, a place for you to be able to process and think and to you know, listen to conversations and questions that you may be having no matter where you're from, Catholic, Baptist, maybe even outside of the Christian world, just so that you can think about your relationship to God and relationship to other people. My name is Nathan Whitaker. My name's Ryan Harris. And today we are going to be talking about prayer. We're going to actually do something that we used to do quite a bit. How we started this podcast is just theologize out loud uh, and see where it gets us. We want to talk about prayer because it's something that we rarely talk about in the church uh, in terms of how we do it and why we should do it. Or, or if we talk about it, it's why we're bad for not doing it. Yeah. We get a lot of like uh, rules about mm-hmm. how you should do it. And I know the spiritual disciplines come up quite a bit in Ugh. all churches Ugh. Uh, <laughs> because we all want to be ancient Christians again for some reason. Uh-huh. Uh, Are you sure it's not just that we want to feel better than about ourselves as compared to other people? <laughs> yeah, but even with that, nobody really knows. I don't think how to do prayer or, you know, we're not, let's say it differently. Nobody is really comfortable with prayer, at least in American Christianity that I can tell. Uh, I mean, I've met a few, but they're few and far between, right? I mean, every once in a while you do meet someone who you think, at least I have a few people in my life where you think about the whole pray without ceasing thing. And you're like, yeah, that's if, if anybody does that, it's probably her, <laughs> yeah. you know, but I'm, I'm thinking like three people in my life that I would put in that category. Um, for the most part, I don't think any of us know what the hell we're doing, but um, you know, pastors included, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Pastors included. Uh, yeah. We get, we learn rhythms in our seminaries or in our educations or even just in our service as mm-hmm. uh, worship, you know, and, we get into these rhythms of how we say things, and uh, eventually we don't need to say it anymore, even though we still do, because everybody's like, oh, yeah, that's what he's going to say or she's going to say. Yep. So we want to talk about it. We want to discover a little bit more about prayer. We want to see what that looks like as we get through that. And I think maybe we could just start at a good place of describing what we've noticed about prayer in our Christian journey. So, Ryan. What have you noticed about prayer? You mean like what's prayer been like for me personally? Yeah, right. Or just in general. Yeah. Um, so I think I've always had a bit of a, what's the right word? Complicated relationship with prayer. <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe, we'd say, maybe I'd say that. In that one of the things I grew up with was, you know, Pentecostals like to pray. And sometimes there'd be these prayer services. I don't know. You, you probably did those too. Um, and they, we, we, like, we might sing a song or two, but then the entire hour, hour and a half would just be a prayer meeting. And once I was old enough where I was expected to, you know, in some way participate in these kind of things, man, I hated those. I just hated, I loathed them because, you know, they say, we're going to pray for an hour and I'm like, okay. And I, I pray and I pray of every possible thing I can think of for everybody, even the people I don't like. And you know, I pray for myself and my family and my friends and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, okay, that's got to be like half an hour, right? And you look, it's been three and a half minutes, <laughs> if you're lucky. And so like, I always found prayer, like prayer has always been something that I do. It's been something that's been part of my life, my whole life. And now it's even a big part of my job. But at the same time, it was always kind of felt like I wasn't doing it right, whatever that means, you know, um, because because I think a big part of it was because when I heard about prayer, it was so often presented in the form of like, uh, as you said, you know, spiritual disciplines, the kind of idea of like, if you're not praying enough, like, don't you love Jesus? Right. Mm, Like nobody said, I don't think anybody said that, but that was what they said. I hope not. You know, I mean, it was kind of like, you need to read your Bible for, however many time, however much time a day and you need to pray every day and all this kind of stuff. And if you don't, well, I mean, Jesus still loves you probably. No, I'm kidding. But that was kind of the thing it conveyed even so. Yeah. You won't be a super Christian. Right. 
exactly. And it turns out none of them were either, except for, like I said, maybe one or two people. But <laughs> other than that, and I bet they struggled sometimes too. Oh, yeah. Um, so like, I've always thought prayer was important. I've always thought prayer is something that I should do. And honestly, it's something that I've always wanted to do and want to do. But it's always been challenging for me because like I said, I ask God for a whole bunch of things and then I'm not sure what to do. I mean, that's okay. developed some from when I was a kid and I have some ideas and I've come in some ways I've, I've moved a little bit on from there. But if I'm being honest, that's still something I, I work on of like, I'm real good with asking God for things and not just for myself. I mean, like for other people and stuff too. But outside of that, it starts to get a similar feeling to like, man, I don't know what I'm doing. Hmm. So you said that we probably had prayer services. Uh, we we did not generally. Well, I just thought I'd heard you say something about we people. You know, they like to have a prayer service about things, but maybe I'm maybe I misunderstood. I think they like the idea of having a prayer service, but then nobody shows up to our vigils if we ever have well, them. I mean, I, I'm with them. I get it. So tell me what a prayer service looks like in your tradition, your upbringing. <laughs> For people, you know, what, like who who aren't me, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, usually it would just be, you know, they'd usually, like I said, we'd usually sing a song or two. And then sometimes the pastor would give some kind of direction about like, let's pray for this or pray for this person or these people. Um, usually it'd be a mix of that and then just kind of individual prayer, uh, you know, People would pray at their seats or wherever they were. Some people would kneel. Every once in a while, you get somebody who did a, a kind of weird thing of like laying face down on the floor because I don't oh, know. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's like whatever. But I'm just like, man, you know how often that floor is vacuumed? Anyway, um, <laughs> you do that. Sometimes uh, you'd see people reading their Bibles. In fact, that's one of the things I learned to do as a way to get through the time of like, well, I got to do something and I'm out of things to pray for. So I'll just... I'll look real pious and read my Bible. <laughs> um, but anyway, so there's, and it would usually kind of go back and forth. And then usually at the end, you'd all pray together. Um, and yeah, I mean, sometimes it would be about like a specific thing, like a specific event. Like I remember after September 11th, we had one, a prayer meeting specifically for, you know, about that. Right. Um, but sometimes it was just, uh, just about anything or they do prayer walks. I don't know if you've heard of those. It was oh, just yeah. the same idea, except people, you know, they'd uh, for whatever they were praying for or sometimes against, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and so they do it that way, but <clears throat> that's generally kind of what it looked like. Um, and uh, it wasn't, I mean, honestly, it wasn't always as well attended as other services, but um Depends on what church you're at, I think. Some people are more into that than others. Okay. Yeah, we've had a prayer walk before. Uh, actually, I did one here when we prayed for our community. Um, well, and to clarify, I'm not saying that's bad or, yeah, you know, right. silly. I just mean that, I mean, it can be, but not because it's inherently silly in and of itself. Right. Well, and how you did it every week, I sound, no, sounds like. No, not every week, but and I don't know that it was ever regular, but it happened often enough that I really didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, okay. So that's what prayer was for you, and it sounds like most of the time, I mean, you say you prayed for things, so it was mm -hmm. petitionary? Well, I think generally, I mean... Unless you want to say that the the music and because, you know, the music, either someone would play or they'd play music recorded, you know, would stay on the whole time. So I guess you could say there may have been a uh, um, worshiping God type prayer as well. But for the most part, at least my understanding of it growing up was generally it was we're asking God for something, some things um, and not that that's was a bad thing necessarily, but I think it was generally confined to that. Yeah. Okay. And when you say the worship thing, that's just like individual worship then, because you didn't have songs or stuff that you would do. Uh, there'd be a little bit of together. And then sometimes every once in a while, you'd get someone who just starts singing themselves. And then, you know, cause they were, I guess, moved by the spirit or just yeah. wanted to sing. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But anyway, and then sometimes people would join in. I mean, it was very much a, 
free form kind of thing. Um, and it, a lot of it depended on who was there too. Okay. <laughs> you can tell the difference between our traditions. Cause I want all the details of how, well, and I don't know how free form, even if you had a prayer meeting, I don't imagine it would be real free form. <laughs> <laughs> no, like for us, I can only imagine the deafening silence <laughs> and everything <laughs> so uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, Hey, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I was uncomfortable too, <laughs> but I mean, it yeah. wasn't just the prayer meetings. I just think that was the best example for me of right. um, both the kinds of prayer that it usually was and also the way I, I mean, it wasn't always like that, but that feeling of, yeah, I think I'd say the feeling of inadequacy in regards to prayer just personally um, was pretty common for me and has gotten better, but it still comes up a lot for me, you know, hmm. Um Sometimes it depends on the context. Like when I'm at work and praying for people because they ask me to, I don't have a hard time with that because, well, when you're with people who are dying, it's it's not hard to figure out what to pray for. And I'll usually ask right. them anyway, you know. Right. Um, but outside of contexts like that, I still, you know, I still want to pray and run out of things to pray for. Hmm. I don't know if that happens to you or not, but that's that's what it's been like for me. Now, ours feels a lot more like we wouldn't have a free reign time like that. Uh, that would be hard. So I think that there is a general fear of not knowing what to pray for or really when to end the prayer is probably mm -hmm. more precise fear or how. Um, you know, of course, we say, always say in Jesus name in our tradition, but mm -hmm. well, we usually um, would do like, how do you actually get to that point? Um, a lot of people get scared and <laughs> it's funny and also kind of part of the problem of what we're talking about that they'll just start floundering and <laughs> just say, I don't, I don't know what else to say. So oh, my you know. favorite, and this may not happen for you in, with you as much, but my favorite are the people who use God's name as punctuation. So like you ever hear someone <laughs> pray, who's like, well, God, I, I'm praying today because God, I just want you to help me with this because God, I know that you can help because God, you are, you know, and then it just goes on yeah. and on. And I'm just right. like, man, imagine if I, if I talk to you like that, like, well, Nate, oh. it's good to see you today because Nate, I want you to know, Nate, that Nate, you are, <laughs> it's just, it's just, you know, it's funny to me. No, we don't get that very much. Um, but, you know, I've heard the jokes, especially with Jesus, you know, saying Jesus' name all the time. Jesus will never forget his name. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think for us, you know, we have those fears and I can't get people to publicly pray for the life of me mm. as a pastor. You know, that's like one of the weirdest things is like you're the automatic prayer person. Uh -huh. Yeah. And, um, I get that to some extent to, as far as we take it, I don't get it. It's because people are like, I, I, I can't even pray at a worship or at a, a mealtime prayer. Mm -hmm. It's like, even if you, they can say like the same thing every time if they yeah. want to. And well, and we have I, a common prayer, mm -hmm. come Lord Jesus, be our guest. Let these gifts to to us be blessed. And yet people can't even do that. It even with, rhymes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's something Luther wrote for us, so it's oh. really great. Uh, well, maybe not. Maybe it's just that's fine. Story. I just I think that's a good example of what you're talking about, though. Of like, um, it can't get a lot easier than that. Yeah, you don't have to come up with what to say. It's you know, I mean, it's short. It rhymes. It's quick. Everybody knows it. Nobody's going to think poorly of you for using it in that context. You know, it's just. Exactly, but I know what you're. I know what you're saying, and you know, even like in some of the churches I've been at, they weren't all like the one I grew up in, and they're like at the one I was at previously, where I was a pastor. It was hard to get anyone who wasn't a pastor to pray or a pastor's spouse. You know, there hmm. were a few, but for the most part, it was kind of well. Isn't that what you're here for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, like I want a break. Can I not pray every well, single time we get one, together? One time, Daniel and I went to a we went to a small group for at my church just to try it out. First time, didn't know anybody. It ended up being kind of a an awkward thing, you know. And anyway, so they asked uh, they asked if either one one of us would pray to close it. And and I looked at him, and he's like, uh, and I said, uh, we pray for a living. So how about one of you guys do it? <laughs> what was the response? Uh, they were a little shocked, but then some. They said, uh, 
okay. And then somebody did it, you know, it's like, no, I'm good. You you give it a try. (laughs) No, Uh, thank you. (laughs) uh, So, yeah, we have that uh, tendency of, well, well, we don't know what to pray for. Um, We don't like praying out loud. There's like that personal element to it, uh, which Mm -hmm. I think is more just more fear. I think that's all that is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, well, I don't want to praise, so I don't want to, you know, share myself a little bit. Well, and I don't want to, I don't want to mess up. Right. Right. If I, if I don't pray, I don't do it wrong kind of thing. And that's, I imagine that's partly in terms of like judgment from other people. Cause we all know that's a thing for sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but also I think there's probably an element of, I can't pray wrong. I'm talking to God. Right. Yeah. Like, right. Either it won't work. Cause those people exist. Right. Like, especially in the Pentecostal side of the world, they're the people who say, well, if you if God didn't give you what you asked for, it's because you didn't pray right, mm. <laughs> right? And that's bullshit. That's but awful. it's nonsense, you know. But yeah. um, but uh, even not even that. I think for a lot of people, there might be this feeling of like maybe it's disrespectful, or God will be upset with them if they don't do it the right way. You know, I think there's mm. a. I think it's possible that there's a lot of fear wrapped up in in this. Yeah. And then we have on the other side, at least my tradition, I don't know if this is true for yours. I'd actually be interested if it is. Uh, you get, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I want to say it like this. And if you don't like it, I'm going <laughs> to, I can cut it out. Say it how you like. <laughs> I can take it. <laughs> we get uh, theological masturbation in prayer from pastors who. Mm, yeah just want to constantly pray like the most verbose oh, yeah. and yeah. Uh, high theology prayers that you can imagine that no one ever talks to God that way except right. for it's, in it's, church sanctioned stuff. Yeah, it's kind of preening, you know, it's like you're like a, like a peacock who's praying. It's like, okay, I get oh, it. Yeah, okay. You know, I get it. It's fine. You're smart and went to seminary and all. God yeah. likes you better than me. Can we keep going, please? You know, yes, I know. I know exactly the type of prayer that you mean. Uh-huh. And, you know, I think that kind of hurts this idea of everyone can pray and we want to encourage people because then you've got those jerks, quite frankly, who, you know, not because they're trying to make people not want to pray. It's just they were taught that way. They really like the theology, probably. And, more and more and more, but it does create this problem, at least in our tradition, like it reinforces something you said. Uh, I might do it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've heard it done in such ways forever. And so we get that a lot too. Yeah. Like I heard the pastor praying and she said mystagogical, and I don't even know what that means. So I can't pray. I mean, I don't think many pastors would say that, but I'm just saying, whatever it is, this idea of like, you know, I'm not going to do it right or I'll sound dumb or God won't like it, I think. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing I was curious about, though, is so you guys and girls, well, guys, anyway, um, <laughs> you guys have a lot of like uh, corporate prayer in your liturgy, like, you know, whether it's confession or whatever, um, but that are written out for people that they all participate in. And I can't remember ever doing anything like that. So I just wondered how that does that play into this at all? Like, like, I'm not even sure what my question is as much as like, how is that involved in the conceptions of prayer that you had just because we never had anything like it? Yeah. Um, I would say, I don't think it really helps. Like what, what liturgists will say is that, you know, we learn how to talk about God and how to worship God and how to live with God and love him through the actual liturgy that we do. But when it comes to prayer, I don't actually see that at all. I don't see people, at least publicly, being able to pray uh, with that kind of formation happening within worship. Mm. Mm. I think you know, and of course it gets varied because some places they say the same thing week in, week out. There right. are no changes. Uh, and so what people do is they kind of place that as a worship thing, not as a prayer thing. Yeah, it's interesting. It is a prayer, but it doesn't. it's not a prayer because it's just something you do. Yeah. yeah. And then sometimes people write their own and then you get into the same problem. So you get some that 
you know, preen. Is that what it's called? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Some that preen in their confession writing. And it's just like, oh, my God, dude. Man, you is- really you're a terrible person. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got a lot to confess. <laughs> exactly. Uh, um, it's like you're, you're hearing this and you're like, I don't think I need to confess that. <laughs> <laughs> and certainly not in that way of yeah. like talking to the father and the son and oh, the spirit right. yeah. and yeah. every little uh every every confession has its right angle and all that. <laughs> and like I said, I get that to some degree that's fine, but uh generally no. So then you know, we've got the theological arrogance and then just kind of like the deer in headlights. Mm-hmm. It's like People don't really know that that's what's going on unless you explicitly teach them. But, you know, there's just so much there that it's not worth doing, at least I think. Yeah. And, and in, in most pastors defense, because some of them are just shitheads, but in most pastors defense, they do that because they're taught to do that. Right. It doesn't yeah. matter what kind of seminary you go to. They're taught to pray that way. Right. Um, I mean, I don't know that any professor ever said pray like this, but that's how everybody prays and that's how they're yeah. taught to pray. And, you know, I, I think most pastors are not trying to preen. I mean, maybe need a different word, but it fits. But anyway, um, masturbates probably. Not the best. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. It's not, it's not inaccurate for yeah. some prayers. I've heard, you know, um, but I don't know. I think in, in our seminary, you've been there, the, my seminary, the high church folks are the ones that like control the chapel mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. I don't, is that true for you too? Like we don't have any high church folks. I know, but as high as your, your church folks get, uh, I mean, maybe I, that's not the right formal. Yeah. Maybe that's the better word. I don't know what the better word would be. The only thing I would say is there's very much while we don't have we 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 don't have a liturgy, which is nonsense. Everybody has a liturgy, <laughs> but um, the idea that like I remember people kind of like not like going on a tirade, but kind of like rolling their eyes at people who write their prayers down or do like you know prayers to like rote prayers, as they might say, Um, like R-O-T-E, because there's this idea of, we don't need all that stuff. We're talking to God. We don't need to be formal. And people who do are like, well, okay, that's, that's, that's whatever, you know? Well, what about, so for me in my tradition, the seminary chapel people, although we both know the chapel professor and he's fantastic. He's good. Yeah. Um, But the chapel experience is held, let's say, by the people who do it the quote unquote right way. Maybe he's uh, held hostage by that. He might be. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm curious if the seminary that you went to is the same way is like they do it the quote unquote right way mm-hmm. there so that it models what it should look like or kind of a teleological thing of this is what it should be for you and your church. Not in the same way. I mean, I think to an extent, yes, because I think any seminary is doing that just by modeling things, whether it intends to or not. But um, I also only went to seminary, like, I mean, a seminary. I only went to chapel like three times in seminary. So I'm not the best person to ask. <laughs> yeah, Most too. of the time, because they were dull. Um, you know, they'd let emeritus professors speak, even if literally they were not physically able of speaking anymore. Anyway, um, no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happened. I, that was one of the few that I went to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to give this a shot, Ryan says, and then yeah. they're and silent I, like, for 20 I feel 20 like minutes. a jerk because like he had like lost his ability. Like he could, it was just basically a very raspy whisper. And it was because he talked so much his whole life. He, you know, it was a physical thing, but, and I'm like, man, I, I feel terrible, but I can't even understand what he said. And it was 40 minutes of that, you know? So, yeah. Anyway, um, I forgot the original question because I was complaining (laughs) about chapel. Oh, are they, are they like teaching it as the right way to do it? I think in the world I came from, so much of it is dependent on the specific church culture and the pastor of that church. Um, So I don't, I don't think, yeah, I don't think that they looked at it in the same way. Okay. It's interesting. But I would say it seems like there is a common culture to prayer uh, within your church body and your expression of your heritage as as well as ours. And there is certainly overlap, but Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the primary piece of overlap would be petitionary, wouldn't you? 
I think so. I think the big difference is I could, there's a few of them, but I think it could be kind of be summarized with the free form. Sure. And yours is like free form, lots of form, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but in terms of like the biggest point of um, convergence, I think is probably that the majority of prayer, at least that I remember and have experienced myself tends to be the, let's ask God for something. Yeah. And we don't have the prayer services, but we have a specific part of our worship service called the prayers of the church. And mm -hmm. you can actually download from our church body every single week. Somebody's part of somebody's job is to write prayers of the church for the entire church body that I'm a part of. Mm -hmm. And they're all petitionary. Every single one of them is, you know, let's end abortion. Let's do this, yeah, that, or the naturally, other. Naturally, yeah. You know, naturally. Um, there's always one about the season. So if it's, you know, Transfiguration Sunday, there's something oh, about okay. that. I was like, winter? What? But I got you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm better than I used to be with that kind of stuff, but I still forget sometimes. It's like, what happened the other day? Oh, uh, Daniel was talking about doing a sermon series uh, for Easter. And I was like, a series for Easter? What are you talking about? And he's like, well, there's like Easter's like for whatever, however many weeks. And I was like, oh, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, no, he's going to have like uh, snack breaks in between. Right. <laughs> I know. I'm just like, are you going to do five sermons on Easter? I don't I don't understand, you know, or whatever it is. But it's just funny because yeah. we just don't have that kind of thing. Easter's yeah. that Sunday. And then, you That's know. It. Yep. And you probably make a big deal out of Pentecost, but in between is just probably. in between. Come on. Hmm? You said probably. Well, no, you, you do. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, um, but yeah, in between is just in between. Yeah. Yeah. We have those prayers of the church um, that's scripted, as you said, more form. Uh, and they're all petitionary. They're all about not selfish in the, I think the best way, like self care um, stuff, like a, a child talking to a father. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's, they're not all that. There's, sometimes they're communal. Sometimes, as I said, they're seasonal. Um, sometimes they're unfortunately political in that way. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't, I can't remember the last time there was a prayer officially published by my church body that wasn't petitionary in mm -hmm. one form or another. So are, are like, is petitionary prayer a bad thing? Yes, it's awful. Everyone should stop yeah. doing. If you do that anymore, God is going to cut you right off. Yeah. You are done. You're out. Outer darkness. He said, ask, ask, and you'll go to hell. That's um, right. Ask, no, ask, but you've done the asking. Ask, ask me one more time. <laughs> you've got kids. You've probably felt that way before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I tell them sometimes, like, well, my kids will ask me to watch TV 400 times. And I say, if you ask me to watch TV, again, I'm throwing that damn TV out the window. <laughs> <laughs> and when I say 400 times, it's like within the span of 10 minutes, right, you know, it's, right. <laughs> um, no, it's not bad. Petitionary prayer is good. And I, I use that image. I think it's the image of a child going to a father and saying, this is what's on my heart. Mm -hmm. um, now, I, I did a change there already in the way that petitionary prayer is already, um, no, that in the way that petitionary prayer is generally assumed, which is kind of to be crass is like an ATM mm -hmm. or vending machine yeah. thing. Like, um, a lot of people believe that if you pray because of what Jesus said, asking you shall receive, um, you know, of course, that's just one section, an entire thing that also, people... he didn't say what you'll receive. He just said you'll <laughs> receive something. Yeah, right. <laughs> so a lot of people approach a petitionary prayer, pastors too, mm -hmm. of uh, I'll just ask for whatever it is. And then... If I don't get it, then there's, you know, this kind of response that happens. If I do get it, then there's this kind of response that happens. Mm -hmm. um, but, and I think that's the more traditional way of thinking about petitionary prayer. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think so too. I, I think, um, yeah, I don't think I'm certainly not. And you, it doesn't sound like you are either. We're, I think that petitionary prayer is going to be a part of a Christian's 
life, right? I think in in there are good things that it can do. Um, in that, like you know, it's good to remind yourself how dependent you are on God, right? Yeah. That like God, I really need your help with this because I just cannot do it. <laughs> um, or hopefully, help me to do this before I try to to fail on my own. <laughs> you know. Um, or yeah, one I, thing I keep on asking for right now is, God, can you just give me a couple hours so I can write my bloody uh -huh. dissertation? Uh -huh. I just, I'm so busy. You're the one that can free up time. And then he gives me a funeral this past yeah. week. <laughs> oh, you mean he killed that person just to annoy you? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, yeah. No, but, but I mean, you know, as silly as that is, some people would make that connection uh -huh. because of petitionary prayer and the way right. that we think about it. Yeah. And so I think it's not that there's anything wrong with is bringing petitions to God. Like we're told to do that. Jesus does it. Lots of people in the Bible do it. Yeah. It's something that is important. But I think the problem I've seen and you and I were talking about before this was just that like it seems to have boiled prayer down to that's all we do, or at least that's 98.7% of how we pray. Um, and I got to think that one, well, I mean, I guess I should back up a second and say, I think you're on to something with the idea of the uh, divine vending machine, you know, insert prayer A1, get divine Twix or whatever it is. Right. Um, I think that's a problem because that's where like you get those people I told you about who say, well, if you didn't get it, it's because you didn't pray the right way. You didn't put the right prayer currency in or whatever it is. Yeah. And that just makes God into a very uh, cold, mechanistic, you know, um, distant and aloof kind of kind of God, which, yeah. you know, I hope and what I, I am constantly working on still very much, maybe I will always will, is that I hope that prayer isn't a cold, distant kind of thing. I hope it's not a formula that we do. Um, because I think if that's what we're doing, then I think we're missing out on something, maybe yeah. a lot of some things. I agree. And I think that, so the image I use is the child talking to a father and, or a mother. It doesn't matter either one. I say father because, of course, the imagery of God the father. And because um, you is one. Yeah, and I is one. <laughs> um, but I think about like when my kids ask me for stuff, uh, you know, I, I know not always think to myself I, I not always <laughs> you fuck me up by saying <laughs> uh, yes <laughs> I don't always think okay how can I get this for them I actually like go through this process of not all the time but certainly a good deal of the time okay my kids asking me for this what's that saying like do they just want a toy because they want a toy do they want this because, you know, it, it's fulfilling some sort of image? You know, I kind of go into that consumer stuff that we we uh, put into receiving things. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they'll, it's not just toys. They'll ask for time with me. They'll ask for that. And so they ask for time with me. Then I start to think to myself, okay, am I not giving enough of myself to them because they're having to ask now or... Mm -hmm. Is it because they're super excited about something right now in this moment and so forth? And so there's like this exchange that happens that um, when a when a child, when one of my ch children come and ask me for something that that forces me to rethink things and to understand a bit more. And I think at the heart of it is exactly that a heart. I, I think mm -hmm. it shows me the heart of my child or at least gives me an opportunity to see the heart of my child. I don't always get there, um, but it gives me an opportunity. I can't help but think of petitionary prayer that way. Maybe to redeem it a little bit, even though I don't think we, uh, you know, we're not done here, um, but to redeem it, maybe petitionary prayer is an opportunity we have. And the reason why God tells us to ask for things and so we get to share our heart with God. He gets to learn something with us and we get to learn something about him and ourselves. And, you know, sometimes we actually do get the stuff we pray for, too. And that causes a whole new thing to happen. Well, I mean, I imagine there are times when your daughters ask you for something and you give it to them just because it delights you to give them something they asked for. Yeah. Yeah. 
You know, I mean, I think God is the same way sometimes. And sometimes God says, nope. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, I, I think, I guess what I wonder about, and I, you know, I've been thinking about this and I don't have it figured out, but I wonder about what can there be to prayer more than just asking things, you know? I think about like if if I am spending time with my friend or we're talking and if I, the entire conversation is me saying asking questions that's all I do the entire time that's more like an interview than a conversation right? <laughs> yeah, right and and so like I wonder what would prayer to God obviously what would prayer look like if we like what what could we do besides just ask questions maybe is the right way to put it because I think maybe um, myself included, I think sometimes it's like, okay, I hear you. I think that there is something missing when all we do is ask God for things or help for with things or whatever, but it's kind of like, well, what do we do instead? So what have you come up with? Well, nothing. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> good night, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll let you figure that out on your own. You know, I, I don't know. What do you think I'm here for? Anyway, uh, <laughs> I think I think for me, what's helped is sometimes is that I've tried to kind of reframe how I'm thinking about who, what role God and I are playing in this relationship. And it's just that I think if God is someone with whom I have a relationship and the answer is, you know, yes, I Mm -hmm. hope for all of us. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So, you know, if I were talking to my friend, what would we do? I would tell them about my day. I would, I might ask questions. I would tell them things I'm worried about. I would um, want to hear what was going on with them, right? You know, most conversations, if they're any good, are not one person talking about themselves all the time because we've all had those and then you just want to, you know, abandon ship as soon as you can. But um, like, I think for me, what's, what's sometimes helps is like, I know God is God and I am me, but if this, if if I truly have a relationship with God, then maybe I need to treat my interactions with God more like I would in uh, in this in the way that I do with people I have a relationship with, um, and maybe that's like I treat my father because there's that parallel that God gives us. Maybe it's you know how do I talk to my friend because you know Jesus is my friend. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think. In some ways, I think we need to de-theologize it a little bit or maybe demystify it. I don't know what the right word is. I was like, I think we're I think we're thinking too hard, or we're either thinking too hard or we're afraid to try something different because, like we talked about earlier, well, what if that's wrong? What if I say the wrong thing? Or I can't talk to God that way, or whatever it is. Yeah, I wonder what it would look like to pray as if God is somebody that I'm familiar with. Mm. Uh, and I think that might be something we're really missing is that God is familiar. And you, you noticed, you noted different ways that we could be familiar, right? We can mm-hmm. be familiar with our friends, uh, with my, my spouse, um, with Family, my kids. Yeah. 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 Um, and with, with people of authority, um, you know, this is not my experience, but a lot of people have the experience of with their pastor and, um, other officials, uh, mm-hmm. that might be in their lives. Um, what would it look like to be familial with them or familiar with them? Right. And I know, I think a, a kind of a stumbling block for me with that used to be like, well, why am I telling God how I feel? God knows how I feel, right? Like, why am I telling God what I'm worried about? God already knows that. And I think, um, whether that's true or not, and, you know, I don't really want to track that down. I just mean, whether that's true or not, it's probably not that God needs us to tell (laughs) what's going on as much as I think it might be good for us to tell God those things. Um, There's something about us as humans that whether it's an emotion or whatever it is, it's good for us to express those things. Um, And I think we all struggle to do that, all of us. I mean, I think some people struggle more than others, but at least in terms of prayer, that's hard to do. It's hard to tell, hey, God, I'm angry, <laughs> right? Especially right. if you're angry at God, although some people will never admit it. But I imagine <laughs> yeah. if you're honest, most of us have been or will be. Um, but it's hard to do. It's harder to do that 
either you feel silly or foolish, right? Or you feel afraid or whatever it is. But I think it's not so much that God needs anything from us. It doesn't, God, God's not up there being like, oh gosh, I hope they tell me how they feel as much as like, <laughs> I think God wants to interact with us in a way that is relational. And so for human beings, that looks like certain things, you know, relationships between humans. I'm not saying it's the same because God is God. Sure. But there's, it's also not as different as we make it, I think just because we are also who we are and, you know, we can't be God. So we got to do what we can do. Yeah. I I'm thinking of the image of God walking in the garden in, in uh, Genesis because, mm. you know, the writer actually says when it was the cool of the day mm-hmm. and why would God do that? God doesn't, in the same way, God doesn't need to walk and be cool. Um, that's not an experience that right. we would put to God, you know? Right. And I think to use a different word to describe what you're saying, at least the way that I heard it was, well, God wants to delight being with people. Yeah. He, he just wants to be with us. And God didn't have to create humans at all. And God, God could have created and God certainly didn't have to reveal <laughs> to us. Right. But God did because God chose to. And the only reason I can think of for that is because God loves us. You know, like that's something we say all the time. And I think it loses its meaning. And God mm-hmm. loves you. God loves us. Blah, love. Okay, whatever. No, really, like God actually does love us. <laughs> yeah. And think about like, I mean, there's some differences. God is not your spouse. But at the same time, I mean, sort of is, right? Whole bride of Christ and all that. But more than that, there's this idea of like, think about someone, whether it's your spouse or not, but just that you really love, whether that's romantically or otherwise, don't, especially in the early stages of the relationship, like, don't you just want to be with that person all the time? Yeah. You don't even have to be doing anything. Even if you're bored, it's better to be bored together than to be <laughs> right. without the person, you know? And what if God's like that all the time? You know, like, I can't imagine that he's not, to be honest. Right. I think that's exactly how he is. Uh, because it's, uh, what do I want to say? It's human to have the banal reality of life just happen, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, relationships are really built in those moments where nothing's happening. Yes, it's. It's the big moments and how you respond to those. But the reason you get to the place that you do there is because you have to figure out as human beings how to live with each other in -hmm. those boring moments, in those moments where nothing's happening. And, you know, the the kind of silly stuff, and I'm not talking about spouses, I'm just talking about people, Uh, those things that drive you nuts about people. Mm -hmm. And how do you deal with that? There's just something completely banal about that. And what you're making me think is how do we bring banality to our prayer life? Hmm. Which sounds like such a strange thing to say, but I think you might be onto something here. Like, you know, because it's like, well, I don't, why would I want to bring? No, but I think we've, we've put it up so high and made it this huge thing and so many rules and uh, restrictions that either we were taught or created ourselves or whatever. And it's like, I think God just wants to talk and not just talk like in a service. I mean, like, you know, it's not like when you are in the grocery store and they say, how are you doing? And you might, the honest response would be, oh, I'm dead inside. But no, what'd you say, right? <laughs> you say, uh, I'm fine, right? It's not yeah. that kind of conversation. I think God really wants the, you're dead inside? Let's talk about that, right? Yeah. Um, or whatever it is. I am just melodramatic sometimes. But no, no not at all. <laughs> um, I think a good illustration for me, and I'm going to be honest and say that I stole this, okay? As much as okay. I would like to just wow you with my depth of insight, I, I stole this. It's not mine. Unfortunately, I can't remember her name, though. So anyway, didn't come from me. And she was someone who's written more than one thing about prayer. And I heard her on this podcast I was listening to. And she was talking about how this similar things to what we were talking about today of like, you know, here I am 
she's written books about prayer and I'm sure they're good. But she said, and then one day my five-year-old son taught me something about prayer I'd never learned, never knew before. Apparently in his Sunday school class, they were supposed to draw what prayer means. And, you know, she said one kid drew an iPad because apparently that kid really wanted an iPad. And <laughs> yeah. I guess that kid had been paying attention and, and knew that if you ask, if you want something, right. you ask God for he it. He learned right? or she learned. Right. And there were some other things, you know, and, and she said, and I don't know where he got this. She said, because I didn't teach him this, you know. She said, my son, for some reason, he drew a picture of him and Jesus sitting outside on our deck. And the the one that was the little stick figure or whatever that was, the boy said, I love you. And Jesus said, I love you. And that was it. That's what prayer was to him. And I, I just, awesome. I think, I know, like, I think about that and I'm like, I heard this while I was driving and I was like, well, shit, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was just like, like this was weeks ago and I still remember it because I don't think I'd ever thought of it that way either. And yet that's, that it's one of those things that's so profound yet, isn't it also so simple? Yeah. Like it's, and I think we miss the simple things and the, and the profundity of word, how profound those simple things can be because of what we've created prayer to be, or it's been taught to us to be. And, and I, I wonder about that of just like when I pray, maybe I still ask God for something, but then what happens if I just spend time with God and say, I love you and listen for God to say it back? Yeah, I love that. I love that because, you know, I, I think that has to come from a kid almost because- I know. yeah. Kids are so great and you, they don't have the compartmentalized life like a lot of us do, or at least that's how I read they the story. They haven't had time to, to, yeah. <laughs> to have one yet. Lucky so them. they probably just, that kid probably thinks about prayer as just an extension of his own life or her own life. And it's like, well, you know, if I go play with my kid or my friend, my kid, <laughs> if I go play <laughs> with my friend, then, you know, we'll just kind of hang out on the deck and we'll do this thing. And that's you what know, you do. I'll, that's what you do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we could all benefit from just, you know, maybe we just need to rethink and, and try to simplify things sometimes. I mean, Nate and I are both, you know, doctoral people. So we have had a lot of time to complicate things, especially the kind of philosophy that Nate does. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about complicating things, right? Uh, yeah. And there's a place for that. And that is good. But at the same time, I think we could all really benefit from, I know we say slow down a lot on here, but it's partly that, but I think it's also partly um, like, let's pull some of this stuff away, just not to destroy it, but to see what's there that we've missed because we've put so many things on top of it. Um, I can't think of a good metaphor. I'm sure there's one out there. Like, uh, do they, I don't, you know, I don't know if they have them here. Did you have, do you have Kinder Eggs? Did you ever have those growing up? They're the ones with the little toy inside the chocolate. Yeah. Egg. My kids love those. Yeah. And, uh, we used to get those all the time at, especially at Easter, but the best part was you, you pull the shell away and then you get this and they probably weren't that great of a toy. Although some of them were pretty neat, you know, but yeah. like you had to pull that stuff outside to get to the, the, not just the important part, but the fun part, the neat part, the, the reason yeah. you did it. And maybe we need to pull off the chocolate shell a little bit. That's a weird metaphor, but I think it works. Um, <laughs> and see what the toy inside is. <laughs> well, I think of it, you know, a good metaphor might, that's a good one. Don't get me wrong. But I think maybe another one is the barnacles on the ship, right? We got to yeah. get rid of the barnacles off the ship because it's weighing down what prayer can be. Yeah. And I, I to to fill out this image of a banal prayer life or banal banality inside prayer. Um, maybe what's going on in that question, maybe what's going on in this conversation is asking. I just I started thinking about this as you were talking, and I love that image, but I'm also thinking of the image of. I'm somebody that likes to, in my mind, I visual my mind as like this big 
almost file cabinet, but they're, you know, the Ikea uh, things that have the little boxes. I'm not surprised to hear that. Yes. Yeah. So I'll go and I'll pick out of that one because that's where that thing is and that thing and that thing and that thing. Maybe what we've done is, you know, not everybody's like me. That's not what I'm trying to say, but maybe what we've done is we've put prayer into that little box over there. Mm. And maybe what God was trying, or Jesus especially was trying to show us is that prayer is actually something that is not separate from life and living mm. with an image like father, right? A kid does not think of their life as separate from their, their parents. Right. They just don't, they can't, they don't have that. Let, let's say maybe maturity or at least that ability to do mm. that. And maybe as adults, what we've done by making it uh, a holy exercise, we haven't talked about that word holy, but it seems to fit. Um, a holy exercise, a separate, that's what holy is, right? Set apart. Mm -hmm. A holy exercise away from everything else, really just in certain circumstances, like before meals and in worship settings. Maybe what we can like tease out is banality of, of prayer is that it's life that, mm. I mean, how it would be weird to get used to this, but how awesome would it be in the theoretical sense? It'd be, like I said, it'd be very awkward and I'm hedging because I'm feeling uncomfortable <laughs> just thinking it out. But yeah, this is, this is, uh, it's one of those things that is simple to understand, but man, it's going to be hard to do. <laughs> I, I remember, I don't know who it was, but my prayer champion of who I think about is like the person who I would really love to be in my prayer life as somebody who would just out in the blue, just say a quick prayer. Like mm. they would be, I'll give just a silly example. They'll be sitting and eating dinner and they've already said their prayer for dinner, but they have this moment of satisfaction that they're, you know, mm -hmm. eating with their family or whatever. And this person would just blurt out, God, thank you so much yeah. for giving me my family. Um, you know, it's that would be very banal. It'd be weird, right, to do it at first because we don't pray that way. But it'd be like God's at the table. Like if I was with my my family and I really enjoyed the dinner, I usually say to my wife, "Hey, this was really good." Or, you know, if I make it, <laughs> I kind of wait for somebody to tell me <laughs> it's good. For somebody to say that, yeah. <laughs> Or I ask my kids, how do you like dinner? Not because I'm looking for a praise, but just so that, you know, something to talk about. Um, I don't know. Does What does that sound like to you? You know, I think it's making me think about something that uh, there there was this verse that used in the Bible that would haunt me as a kid. And I, I'm going to, it's going to link up, I think, I hope. Um, the whole pray without ceasing thing. Because hmm. I used to think about that and being like, who the hell could ever do that? <laughs> Right, that's not possible. Like the only thing I could think of is like some monks or nuns in a in a convent yeah. or a monastery somewhere, um, who literally all they do is eat and pray, kind of thing. Maybe right. sleep sometimes. And I was like, I can't, I'm, I can't do that. Right? Like, first of all, I want I to got shit to do. I've got I've got stuff to do, and those habits they wear just aren't aren't a good look. But <laughs> I wonder about if prayer is not just saying things over and over again, or not just asking questions. If prayer is spending time with God, um, like what you just said, or, you know, telling God, like that experience of God's love and loving God, suddenly the idea of praying without ceasing makes more sense and seems more doable in the sense of it's not about me saying words 24 hours a day, or at least every conscious hour of the day. It's about me spending time with God, relational quality time with God. And sometimes that is words I say. Sometimes it is things I ask God for help with or God to help other people with. And sometimes it's telling God, uh, I love you. And sometimes it's like you just said at the dinner table and just, you know, spontaneous in that. I think maybe that's more what that could be getting at. I don't know what the exegetes will make of that because I don't even remember the context, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. But... Right. I think the point, regardless, I think the point is still still there of like, maybe that's what pray without ceasing means. Maybe it's more about, um, maybe it's just about being, you know, like existing together, presence, that kind of thing. 
more than it is about the specific things we do or say. I don't know. Do you, maybe I can ask you specifically instead of trying to guess what other people think. Um, do you think about God always being with you? Like, is that, is that a familiar feeling for you? A familiar thought? Yes. I mean, for, for some good reasons and for some not so good reasons, right? One, uh, the not so good reasons where I was taught that, you know, uh, God's kind of like cosmic Santa Claus in the sense of like, knows what you're doing, knows what you're thinking, going to get you that kind of thing. But yeah. that's not the healthy part. <laughs> but I think one of the things that I do appreciate about my heritage, even though I'm not in that world anymore, is that they really spend a lot of time emphasizing the imminence of God, specifically through the spirit. Yeah. But I mean... I will, and I don't know if this does any good or not, but I will, I'll find myself being like, God, I really need to find my keys. Please help me. I might. <laughs> and I don't know yeah. that that means God does that, but <laughs> I, um, and I'm not saying I feel something 24 hours of the day either, but I do think that, that God being present or close or imminent or whatever word you want to use, I don't struggle with that as much as I do some other things. Um, which is not to say it's like there's been plenty of times in my life where God felt in no way close, you know, but overall, and the way you asked the question, I think is that, um, no, I mean, I think, I think that part is not as hard for me as I imagine it may be for, for others. Like, I don't know, like, what, do you, so what I was just saying, what do you think of that? Like the idea of, uh, you know, God being present in that way all or being present with God even, um, in that yeah. way. Yeah. So this is where I'm a little different, I think. I, I haven't talked much with this with other Lutherans, but I think that this makes me a little bit unique, certainly in terms of the way that we talk about things, because uh, I have really felt God's eminence my entire life. I don't think like there's been a moment where that's not true. And, and I, I think it's really in a let's say mostly positive way. Like I'm a contrarian. So if, if people tell me that I'm going to hell about this, that, and the other, I mean, you've been listening to this podcast long enough. And Ryan, of course, you know me well enough that I'll say really why, uh, <laughs> and really well, question you won't be, at least I won't be with you anymore. <laughs> uh, Eminence has been something that I think has been very attractive in your theology to our conversations to me, mm. because it's like you seem to have a vocabulary for that where I don't. I just mm. have the feeling of it. You know, I have the maybe awareness of it. And that's because I think and we don't need to get into it too far because we've already done this before, but I think it's because. I just was never satisfied with the the story that was being told to me that God's just about justification. Mm. Our theology is wonderful in some aspects, but the way that it's been taught, at least in my lifetime, one of the dangers is certainly that God only cares about your justification. He doesn't really care about being with you. And as long as you're fixed, you know? Oh, God um, the fixer. Yeah. Yeah. And the Savior, right? Mm -hmm. That's the big image that he saves us from our sins so that we don't go to hell. And there'll be that time to be with God. But even like Revelation helps us avoid being with God imminently because the sun shines on the city. And we kind of play with that and say, well, Jesus will be up on the sky, you know, and he'll be shining light for us or some stupid huh. stuff like that. But anyway, long story short, uh, that's why I asked the question was because I've experienced that and I'm, I'm actually kind of comfortable thinking about prayer that way. Now I'm not comfortable doing prayer that way just yet, Yeah, yeah. but I'm, I wonder like if, if you're listening to this, we usually like, you know, have this conversation and then do our little promo stuff at the beginning and end. But I'm really honestly curious if you think this way of the eminence of God and a prayer life that, is life instead of segmented. If that's something that's natural to you or you've learned it, I'd be very curious to hear that story and to know more about that because I, I honestly don't see it. Do you see it anywhere outside of some of the conversations we've had like this? 
I don't think so. Um, I mean, it probably exists somewhere, but I think broadly speaking, and it's not because you and I are like, none of the stuff we've said is like, we just had an epiphany today. I no. mean, I think there are people talking about it, but in terms of, and not that's not true everywhere though, but I think in terms of actually doing it, I don't know. I, I haven't experienced that much outside of the few people here and there who seem to get it <laughs> in a way that the rest of us struggle with, you know? Um, yeah, I think, but maybe the, maybe that's part of the problem is we say, oh, I can't do that, you know? Um, or that sounds great, but I mean, I can't, this is not going to happen. I don't know what to do. And it's like, well, maybe, uh, we need to start smaller than that. Like, like maybe we don't leave this conversation and go, okay, I'm going to pray without ceasing and all the ways we talked about. Today. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe it starts with trying a different kind of prayer. Right. And you can still ask God for things when you need to, but maybe it's like, well, I've never really tried to tell God about my day and maybe I'm going to try that for a while. Just see what happens, you know, yeah. or maybe it's praying in a different way, right? Like if you've never written your prayers out, maybe you should try that. Just see how it goes or vice versa, right? If you've always um, read them from something, either your own or someone else's, maybe you should try not doing that. And it's like not just for novelty, uh, but because maybe it's a one step at a time kind of thing. And maybe it's a process of learning and discovering like how each of us responds best because we're all different um, and God teaching us things we don't know. I mean, you know, um, I don't, I, th I don't think I've used this metaphor yet. Cause I think that was when we were talking before, <laughs> but it's like, you know, <laughs> start small, right? When I took piano lessons in first grade, I didn't start with Rachmaninoff. I started with chopsticks. Um, I've actually, actually you had to work to chopsticks. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, don't, you know, don't fail before you start. Like just, give it a try, whatever it might be. Like, and it's okay not to know if you want to say, or you've got freedom to explore. Like, um, you know, I, it's like, maybe we just need to try. Yeah. Maybe you could also like another way you could do this. I love that way. Just practice it. Just do it. Um, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff around us. Stop thinking about it and doing it. Mm. Um, so Walt Disney said the way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah, definitely. But I also wonder, like, so somebody like me who's very cerebral and thinks about things, uh, I think what would be helpful if you're like me, uh, if, you know, every once in a while, just pause. Maybe you need to write this down somewhere. Uh, I usually like put stickies to places where I really want to pay attention to things. Um, Maybe what you could do is say, what would it look like for God to be in this moment right now? Um, like not in, not in like uh, God is in this Chili's type thing. Uh, <laughs> Although but, maybe, I guess. Yeah, I maybe. Uh, but really like in this moment, like put it in places where important things happen, but also where very banal and stupid things happen, like hmm. in your closet. Uh, what would it be like for God to be with you as you look through your clothes for the next day and you, you know, do stupid human stuff, but really necessary human stuff. Usually God, we think God, well, he doesn't need to be there for that. So he's not, but yeah. yeah. I mean, God's know. busy, right? Well, yeah. Yes and no. <laughs> God's God. So he doesn't have those limitations that we do. Right. I don't right. need to say that it's obvious, but uh, the implication of that, of course, is that God is with you as you pick out your clothes for the next day. Mm -hmm. um, what would it mean to have that be there? Like, I'm not somebody that does this because, you know, Ryan could probably tell you I don't have much style. I wear the same thing pretty much every single day, mm. um, except for Sundays, because <laughs> I have to. Otherwise, right. I wear the same thing You're on Sunday, thing, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm not somebody who will talk to God about the choices I make with my clothes because I don't make choices. I just pick out whatever is at the top or whatever. But I know some people do. What would it be like to have a conversation with God about that? Hmm. Uh, you know, he's not beneath that. I don't think God's beneath anything. And I think I think that's one of the things we've all missed. Um, you know, God's busy. Well, yeah, but God's also everywhere. So God can handle it. 
<laughs> you know, uh, he's got the biggest spreadsheet or, you know, 200 billion phone lines or whatever it is. It, it works <laughs> out. And when um, I think about the image, like, so this is something that every parent grapples with and struggles with. Adults are busy, mm-hmm. but when kids want something, who cares how busy you are? Right. Right. You need to be there in that moment with a kid. Now, of course, it's a struggle because sometimes a kid just wants to tell you, you know, they whatever. Um, for the 17th time. For the 17th time. Yeah. Or ask me to watch TV for the 400th time. <laughs> um, but generally, I'm going to pay more attention to my kids and my best self to do that than do whatever's keeping me busy. And I can't help but go- think God's the same way. Like, yeah. who cares how busy he is? Yes, he's busy, but he's also God. So he can be there in the banal as well as the super critically important things that are going on in this world. Right. And, you know, to clarify, I, I, I'm i not saying, and I don't I like Nate is either. Nate might even appreciate this, but I'm not saying that you turn off your brain or that your brain isn't part of it, or you don't think about any of these things uh, because one, I don't think any of us can do that. Well, I maybe met one or two people. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I don't think any of us can do that. And that's not what you need to do. Um, part of this is going to be reflecting on what happens. Right. But yeah. I think it's maybe just more giving, uh, pushing a little bit of the weight to the other side for a bit. So it's not, not to get rid of it from the intellectual side, but just to, to balance it out a little more. And yeah, and sometimes it's going to be real deep thinking about, hey, I just had this experience with God, or well, I tried writing my prayers and that seemed like a disaster or or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, don't. it's not that you can't use your brain. It's just that, that I think prayer has become largely for most of us, uh, I think, um, or at least many of us, a something we do in our brains. And that's part of it, but I think that that's certainly, at least I hope that's not all of it because I'm not smart enough, you know? <laughs> My brain isn't big enough for, for it to accomplish uh, prayer by itself. Um, I don't think anybody is, so. Well, I think that's maybe a good place to um, not wrap up the discussion, but just kind of end for right now. I hope that it's maybe made you think about some things you hadn't before. Uh, Nate and I are are learning along with you. And, you know, we talk about these things and and are still working on putting them into practice. And so I hope that you'll maybe have a little boldness and try something different. And, you know, if, like I said, if, if something for some reason just really doesn't fit, try something else. And just remember that God's okay with whatever you do because God just wants to spend time with you. You know, it's not, God's not going to be upset if you do it wrong because you can't really do it wrong. God just loves us. And maybe we need to remind ourselves of that and reimagine some things. So um, anyway, thanks for listening to Frontier Faith. And uh, it really is a place where I hope you can explore and feel comfortable and Try some new things. See something differently. It's okay not to know what you believe or why you believe it. And you don't have to do that all by yourself anymore. If you have anything you'd like to tell us, maybe if you have thoughts on uh, this kind of stuff, or if you have ways in your prayer life that uh, made you that this episode made you think about, we'd love to hear it because part of this is, you know, I think we didn't talk about this, but it doesn't have to be all by ourselves. Maybe there's mm-hmm. a, a dimension of prayer that needs to be more corporate, but maybe that's another episode. But anyway, we'd love to hear it. Or if you've got suggestions or something you'd like us to talk about, or if you'd like to share part of your story with us, like we've done in our episodes that had the well on there, we'd just love to hear from you. And if you could also, if you could rate our podcast five stars and whatever app you use to listen to it, that'd be great. Um, so like I always like to say at the end, uh, I'm just going to say that it's okay. It's going to be okay. And God will take care of us. 